with this much. All right. Um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Revelation chapter number 5. Revelation 5. And um, what a good song. Since Jesus came into my heart. Boy, you know, if, if Jesus came into your heart, there ought to be a change in your heart. Amen. And uh, what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. And as you're turning to Revelation 5, I do want to mention this really quick. I've mentioned it a few times, but I want to continue to mention it, uh, that you should have gotten a letter from me. And in there uh, should have been a... Uh, a a building fund commitment card. And so if you would uh, pray about what involvement the Lord would have you to do uh, as far as giving to the building, building fund every year, uh, we do this in December. And, uh, and what comes in in our building fund, uh, we've been, we pray and we want, of course, in the bulletin, it mentions the amount there uh, that covers our payment for the year. And, uh, and if we get more than what our actual payment is, praise the Lord, we put extra on our, uh, on our principal every single month. And we do that anyways. We've been pulling from the general fund and trying to pay down our debt. And, uh, and so we'll continue to do that. But I, I would I'd love for you to pray about what involvement the Lord would have you to do as far as the building fund. And then also we're taking up a Christmas offering in December. I want you to pray about that as well, helping out. And again, all the money that comes in for our Christmas offering, we will apply as well to our principal and try and reduce our debt at our church. Uh, and so we're shooting for all of that. And then also stop by back the back by the information table and there's gospel tracks that are our Christmas and uh, I've already been handing these out and uh, and Christmas tracks are very well received uh, it's a great time to be able to get tracks and you know what at least for me uh, I'm exposed to more people because I actually go out shopping a little bit here and there and I run into people out there I usually don't shop I don't even like to shop but uh, uh, but I go out a little bit more and so I run into more people so you know what I give out more tracks and, uh, and they're fairly well received, so be sure to grab some of those. And then uh, we have our Bible reading schedule out back there as well. So stop back by the information table after church and, uh, and see all of that stuff that is back there. And that'll be good, all right? Uh, Revelation chapter number 5. I feel like I'm giving a commercial now before I preach. I, don't, I like to come to the pulpit and preach, not, uh, not do commercials. But, uh, but I felt needful that we just cover all of that, at least Sunday school, Sunday morning and Sunday night. Now I've covered all my bases. And, uh, and so read the letter, read the bulletin, and you'll know what's going on. Revelation chapter number 5, and uh, we'll pick it up here in verse number 1. The Bible says this, and I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals 
thereof. Let's stop and let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. God, we thank you for your many blessings. God, I pray that you would use me and speak through me. Father, as we uh, endeavor to understand Revelation chapter 5, the scene that unfolds before our eyes. And Father, I pray that you would give me the words to speak to be able to clarify and, and, uh, and make it abundantly clear, Father, to people. And God, I pray that you would use me. I pray, Father, that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, uh, we'll certainly thank you for that. And God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Uh, let me just give you a brief overview. We've been covering the book of Revelation for a while now. And uh, when we hit chapter 4, I, I kind of went into a teaching mode, per se, uh, and, and we're really looking at all of this. So uh, the first couple of chapters really were messages that were written to the churches, and they were physical churches. And listen, they're very applicable to us today. They're great messages. We spent a lot of time going through each message to each individual church and, uh, and go back and, and listen to those and go back and read the chapters because they're a blessing. And when you hit chapter 4, uh, things change. And we found in chapter 4, the Bible talks about uh, the trumpet uh, that, that called up John into heaven. Uh, before the vision that he was having was not on heaven, it was really, it was here on earth and it was a message to those churches. But now it's, he's saying, hey, come up to heaven. And now there is a, a vision that he's having uh, that is taking place in heaven. And of course, that trumpet in chapter four uh, is, is the rapture uh, that when, listen, when uh, for all of those who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, uh, someday, and we don't know when, it could be tonight. It could be at the end of the service. It could be before the service ends. It could be next week. We don't know when, uh, but there will sound a trump. The Bible says, calls it the trump of God. And then the Bible says the dead in Christ will rise first. And I don't know how that's going to be. That'd be amazing. I mean, I... I really kind of hope that I'm not standing in a cemetery when that happens, because that'd just kind of be weird. You know, I don't know if we'll see it or not, uh, but I do know this, the dead in Christ will rise first. And uh, they're going to rise. And I, you know, just because they're going first doesn't mean we'll have time to actually uh, contemplate everything that takes place. I mean, they could go one second and we're the next, and you don't even have time to realize what took place. Uh, but then, then the Bible says that we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together uh, with him, with the Lord, in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so that takes place there in Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. So we're going to be called out of here, praise the Lord. And we're going to be there in heaven uh, that, are, that are there uh, at this scene as it takes place. So it's describing all of these things. In chapter 4, we looked at it, and it is a wonderful scene. He talks about the throne and God sitting there on the throne. And, and four and twenty elders that are sitting round about that throne. And, and four creatures that are situated, that we called uh, angels, that are situated there around the throne and, and this beautiful sea that is laid out before them and, and all of them are worshiping God and, uh, and they're crying, the Bible says, night and day, holy, holy, holy. 
the Lord God Almighty, and they're crying out to Him, and they're worshiping Him, and they're praising Him. At the end of chapter 4, uh, they're praising Him. Why? Because He is the, well, for one thing, He's worthy, and they say that. Uh, but the second thing, primarily, they're saying, hey, that He is the Creator of all things. And chapter 5, we come to this, and it is the same scene. The scene has not changed. And so we still have the throne. We still have God setting upon His throne. We still have the four and twenty elders, twenty-four elders that are uh, that are that are stationed around this throne. We have the uh, the four uh, creatures or angels that are there before the throne. And the Bible says here in verse number one of chapter five, and I saw in the right hand of Him that sat on the throne a book written within within and on the backside sealed with seven seals. And so John, as he's looking at all of this, you ever see a spectacular sight, and, uh, and, and you're just beholding the sight, and, and somebody points something out, and you're like, man, I didn't even see that. I was so busy. I mean, I could imagine John just with all everything that's going on. I mean, the four and twenty elders, he must have counted. And said, so, well, there's one, two, three, four, and, and the four uh, angels that are there before the throne, and, and how many wings he must have counted. I mean, uh, he was paying attention to all of this stuff. And then at one point, even while the worship is going on, and this scene is unfolded before him, he notices, hey, there is a sealed book within the hand of God that is sitting on the throne. And he sees that. And uh, listen, that's not the first time that this scene unfolds. Go with me, save your spot here in, Revel in, in Revelation chapter 5, and go with me to Daniel chapter number 7. Daniel chapter number 7. Daniel is a very prophetic book as well and deals much with, with the end times as well. Daniel chapter number 7 and verse number 9 I just want to pull out the parts that really pertain to this. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 7 and verse number 9, he says this, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, that would be God, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool, his throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire." A fiery stream issued and came forth from him thousand thousands ministered unto him. And ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. And so he's kind of describing this same scene. I mean, you see the throne and, and you say the, the fire proceeds. What's that? That's the judgment of God that's going to come. Now remember, praise the Lord, we're saved, we're called out of here. Okay, now this is starting to take place in the future. Uh, and so, uh, again, this is, this is the scene that is unfolding. Look with me, jump down to verse number uh, 13 and 14. He says, I saw, right here in Daniel chapter 7, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man 
came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days and they brought him near before him and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Boy, that, that verse is very clear, that it's in reference to God and His kingdom uh, that is to come, and specifically of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we see the scene unfold. Daniel had a vision of that. We see that John uh, has a vision of that, and he sees all of this throne uh, that, is, that is laid out before him, and John takes notice of this book in the hand of God. And right after that, in verse number 2 of Revelation 5, the angel, I love this, the Bible describes him as a strong angel and with a loud voice. And I, I don't, we don't know exactly who it is, probably maybe Gabriel the archangel or uh, Michael, one of the uh, other angels or one of the strong angels nonetheless is there. And with a loud voice he proclaims, look at what he says there in verse number 2. Who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. He makes a question. He's saying, hey, who's worthy to open this book? Who's worthy to, uh, to take this book and to open it up? And, and look at what it says in verse number 3. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Boy, that's, that book was sealed. And listen, nobody was found worthy. Not in heaven, the Bible says, no man, uh, nobody in the earth, and nobody under the earth. And uh, as we look at that, listen, that's, uh, that's very clear. Uh, the Bible's definitive. Uh, there's, I want you to notice three things there, that there are men that are in heaven at that time. They're saved men. They've been redeemed. They're not there because they did good works. They're not there. We know that because of what the Bible says. And it will later clarify that these are those who have had their, uh, they, they've been redeemed, the Bible says. They've been saved. They've been born again. And they are there in heaven. There are men still in the earth. Hey, listen, when the rapture takes place, the saved are called out. But the, those who are lost are still left here. And the Bible says that there's a strong delusion going to be sent over them and they're not going to believe the Bible and, and all of those things. Matter of fact, I strongly think, and this is just my opinion, but uh, the way people have gone crazy about aliens. Listen, it would not be far-fetched for the world to unite over the fact, well, aliens pulled these people out of here. And, and, and they would unite an army and have a one world government uh, because they're realizing, they're thinking, um, I'll put it that way, uh, their understanding is that, man, we're, we're at war with aliens and they just pulled a bunch of our people out of this world. I mean, that's kind of the idea that they would think. And so, uh, so we see that, that, that we're gone, but there's still men that are in heaven. And I want you to notice this as well, because the Bible says this in verse number three, uh, neither under the earth. Listen, the Bible uh, talks a lot about hell as, as men going down into hell. And, uh, and this is just my, my thoughts, but I know this clearly. The Bible only talks about three places. It talks about heaven, it talks about here on earth, and it talks about hell. 
And listen, that's all there is. That's the options that you have. There's heaven, hell, and earth. Uh, there's no other options. And the Bible reaffirms that here, uh, that, that those are the options. There is no such thing as purgatory. There's no place that people can go after they die that is a waiting to decide, well, are they going to go to heaven or go to hell? No, no. The Bible's clear uh, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so if we die and we're saved, we're going to heaven. And if, they, if somebody dies and they do not know the Lord as their own personal Savior, they're going to hell. Um, the Bible tells us that. Luke chapter number 16. And the rich man uh, died and lifted up his eyes being in hell. Uh, the Bible says being in torments. And, uh, and so the Bible tells us that there's three places. And it tells us, hey, in all of heaven there was no man found worthy to open the book. Hey, listen, we go to heaven. We're not going because of our good works. We're going on the merit of Jesus shed blood, and that's the only way we're getting there. That means we're not in and of ourselves. We are not worthy. We cannot take the book because of the, uh, the righteousness that's been imputed to us. But hey, we're, uh, we're not able to, we're not worthy to take that book and to open it and to execute the judgment only God is. No man in earth is able to, and certainly no one under the earth, those that are in hell. And so we certainly understand that. Uh, and we see that within this chapter and in verse number 3. And verse number 4, John's upset. Boy, he weeps, he cries, he says, man, there's nobody worthy to open it. No one can, can open this book and nobody's going to know what it says. And here it is being, uh, being held in the very hand of God and, and there's nobody. But look at what he says in verse number five. As we see that sealed book, I want you to notice in verse number five, there's a revelation of the Savior. And, uh, and what, a, what a great uh, thing that is beheld there in verse number five. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Wow, praise the Lord. There is a lion that is there. And listen, it is none other than Jesus Christ himself. We'll look at that in a moment. But I want you to notice that there's the lion, the tribe of Judah. And while no other person could possibly do it, hey, listen, there is a promise from God. Hey, and it stems all the way back. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 49. Save your spot here in Revelation. Go with me to Genesis chapter number 49. And we see this promise. Romans or Genesis chapter number 49 and verse number 9. Genesis 49 verse 9. It says, Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He couched as a lion. And as an old lion, who shall rouse him up? Verse 10, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the gathering of the people be. Hey, listen, that's a prophetic passage 
looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ and that He is the Lion of Judah that was promised to come. And as John is standing there in heaven, he recognizes that and he says, Whoa, this is the Lion of Judah. That's what he proclaims there. Behold, uh, well actually it's one of the elders tells him that. He says, Weep not, behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Listen, it's pointing to Jesus Christ and that He is worthy. And He's saying, hey, behold the lion. And we see that as we see the a sealed book and, and that John was concerned about that sealed book. We'll look a little bit more about that book in the, the chapters to come. But I want you to notice the sealed book here was an issue there in heaven that occupied the first five verses. But I want you to notice this, and this is throughout the book of Revelation. I want you to notice the Savior. It is the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, that Jesus would be revealed throughout the book of Revelation. And we've noticed that time and time again. Look at what it says there in verse number 5. He shows him as the lion. And I I I gave you a little bit of that. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 30, A lion which is strongest among the beasts and turneth not away from any. A lion represents the strength of Jesus Christ. And that he would come, obviously from Judah, as the king of kings. And listen, a lion is an overcomer. I mean, he is the, uh, the king of the beasts, we say. The Bible says he's strong. And listen, it speaks to the omnipotence of Jesus Christ and that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and that he is uh, the, the reigning prince of everything and that he is uh, the, the all-powerful God that he proclaimed to be. And we see that as he is revealed as a lion. And I'm reminded of of the verses that talked about being overcomers as we looked at those in Revelation chapter 3. And uh, and I was reminded of those verses uh, because the lion overcomes. He's one that's powerful. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 in verse number 4, uh, you can go back there, it's just a couple pages back, 1 John 4, 4. And look at what it says. Ye are of God, little children... And have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Listen, Jesus Christ as our Savior causes us to be an overcomer because he's greater in us than is anywhere else. Boy, we've seen that in heaven. I mean, nobody else was worthy. Nobody else could touch the book. The Bible goes so far as to say no one else could even look thereon and behold it because of its brightness, because of its glory, because of what it was. And and we see that Jesus Christ was worthy and Jesus Christ is worthy. And He is the lion that is able to come. A lion speaks of strength. A lion speaks of the scepter of Judah. We talked about that. And He is seen in His strength and in His royalty in this passage. And we see that clearly as he's revealed as a lion there in verse number 5. Look with me in number 6 because it gets really interesting. The Bible says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, 
and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven eyes, or horns, excuse me, and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Boy, what an incredible passage. So when, one minute, John's looking at the throne, and he notices the book that's in God's right hand, and, and no one is worthy to open it, and he's concerned about that, and so he cries, and he, he's weeping, and he's sorrowful that nobody can open it, and then all of a sudden, uh, one of the elders points out, hey, there is a lion of the tribe of Judah who is worthy to open that book, and Jesus, of course, steps out and takes that book, and then in verse number 6, he says, I looked and beheld, you'd think he'd see a lion but he saw a lamb. And you see, listen, the Lord Jesus Christ, He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And a lion speaks to his strength. The lion speaks to the scepter and being the kingly heir that he was. And without a doubt, he is the king of kings. But listen, not only is he the, uh, the not only does it speak of strength and of the scepter, but the lamb would represent the sacrifice. That's what the Bible says. He is a lamb that was as slain uh, and is alive. He's not dead any longer. He's not a lamb that continues to be slain, but rather that he took note of this lamb. Why? Because he had the marks in his body that he had died. And it was visible. Look at what it says there in verse number 6. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and, lo, and, and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. How did he know it had been slain? Obviously, there must have been marks. And listen, we see that, uh, that he took note of that. And listen, it was the sacrificial lamb of Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible prophesies that in Isaiah 53. It says, And he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. Listen, that's the prophecy, and that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ when He came and went to the cross. Uh, listen, the Bible says that He opened not His mouth. He said not a word. They reviled Him, and He didn't say anything. They mocked Him, and He didn't say anything. Uh, they, they, they crucified Him, and He didn't say anything. He didn't defend Himself. Why? Because He was as a lamb that opened not His mouth. Listen, John the Baptist, remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ in John chapter 1 and verse number 29, John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus Christ. He said, hey, this is the lamb. This is the one. This is that sacrificial lamb. All the nation of Israel would have completely understood that because since the, they had come across uh, the Red Sea in Egypt, actually even before they crossed that Red Sea in Egypt, God had set up and told them, hey, I want you to go out back and I want you to select a lamb from your flock and it's to be a perfect lamb. It's to be a spotless lamb. It's to be a young lamb that you're to take and you're to live with it for several days in your house. You're 
you're to behold it, you're to watch it, you're to make sure that there's no sickness, that there's no blemish in that lamb, and that it's a goodly lamb. And at the end of that time frame, they were to take that lamb and to kill that lamb, to sacrifice it, and to apply the blood to the doorposts of their house. Hey, listen, that was all pointing forward to Jesus Christ, and for thousands of years the Jews would celebrate the Passover every single year and do that same thing and take that lamb and have it as a sacrifice. And listen, when John the Baptist saw Jesus Christ and he said, Behold the Lamb of God, everyone knew, hey, this was a sacrificial lamb. That's what he was talking about, that would take away the sins of the world. Hey, listen, you get to the scenes of heaven, and here's the lion, the king, the scepter, the strength. But he's got twofold. He's a lion, and he's a lamb, because he's the sacrifice that you and I needed so that we could get to heaven. And he's standing there, and it's him that is the one that is to open the book. Now, I want you to notice this description. We won't spend a lot of time on this. The seven horns, the horns would stand for power. Uh, the seven eyes would stand for seeing and, and knowing. That would, be, uh, that would be omniscience, and the power, of course, would be omnipotent. And the seven spirits of God would represent the presence and omni omnipresence. And, uh, and I'm, not, I'm not much into numbers, but you can't, you can't miss this because it's right there in the text. It's seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits of God. What is that? It's seven, seven, seven. That is the number of God. And, and a lot of people go way off on numbers. Well, if you take this number and multiply it by this and add this and subtract this, you can do a whole bunch of mathematical gymnastics and come out with whatever number that you want. But this is clearly written out in the Word of God that there's seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits. And so I'm just pointing that out, uh, that it, seven is the number of completion, and then it's three times just like the holy, holy, holy. Uh, and so we have those, those three sevens that are just, they're right there in the text. They jump off the page at you. And so I just want to point that out. But look with me in verse number seven. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Why did he take the book? Because he's worthy. And he was ready to fulfill and execute all that that book stood for. Hey, listen, Peter and the disciples, you remember that uh, they were with Jesus in the Mount of Transfiguration, and they got a preview of that. They saw Jesus Christ transfigured. And uh, you remember Peter, because he's the one that said, Hey, Lord, we ought to build three temples here. One for you. And, uh, and, and then he goes on, and, and, and Jesus rebuked him, said, You don't know what you're talking about. But Jesus was transfigured. Hey, listen, that's the likeness that John saw. Here's Jesus Christ in the midst of the throne taking the book because he is worthy. Well, you read down through this chapter and you know what? They're going to praise him because of his worthiness. We see, the, uh, we see the sealed book. We see the Savior as the lamb that represents the strength and the scepter, the kingliness. And then we see the lamb that would represent uh, the, the sacrifice that was given for our salvation. But I want you to notice, look at what takes place in verse number 8. And we're almost back to the same scenario that took place in chapter 5 or chapter 4. He says in verse number 8, and when he had taken the book, look at what happens. 
the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. So all these four and twenty elders and these beasts, where they fall down. We talked about last week, bowing down before God. Listen, they fall uh, prostrate before God and, and they're worshiping Him. Why? Because He is the King, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the Lamb, the sacrificial Lamb that would take away our sins. And so they, are, uh, they have fallen down before Him. Look in verse number 9. I love this. And they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. You remember in Daniel, he mentioned that. Out of every tongue, out of every kindred, out of every nation. And, and that scene is this scene that Daniel saw uh, way before it takes place. John saw this is yet to take place. It's still off in the future. Uh, this is something that will unfold when we are there. And, and listen, uh, they are praising the Lamb and they're singing, man, I, I can't wait uh, to, to hear the chorus of heaven. I, I love hearing a bunch of people get together. I've, I've had rare privilege to be in a few places where there's thousands of voices, man, and they're singing out. And man, it is a blessing to hear that many people sing out. And listen, we're imperfect people with imperfect voices, and I have imperfect ears. How much sweeter it'll be in heaven to hear that congregation belted out. You won't have to worry. I won't. You probably don't have that problem, but I won't have to worry about being off key. Amen. We'll just sing, and it will sound spectacular. And they're singing a new song. We'll be singing a new song as we'll be there. And that all takes place. And they're praising God in verse number 9. Why? Because He redeemed them. Uh, listen, they're, they're prostrate before the King of Kings. Why? Because He's the Lion. He is the King. But then they're praising Him. Why? Because He's the Lamb that redeemed them, that changed their life. That's praiseworthy. We come in here every Sunday, and you know what we do? And every Wednesday, you know what we do? We praise God. Why do we praise God? Because He saved us, because He changed our life, because He made us different, because there's so much to praise Him for. We ought to praise Him. Hey, listen, when we get to heaven, we will praise Him because He redeemed uh, people out of every land. I want you to imagine uh, this auditorium. There's no way on earth that th this will be tiny in heaven. Tiny. It's just not even comparable to the amount of people that will be there. People from Peru, people from Asia, people from Africa, people from uh, Mexico, people from uh, Central America, South America. From, from the Bible says every kindred, every nation, and every tongue. And then you span that over years and it's just hard to imagine how many people will be there. And you say, man... I don't know all those languages. Don't worry, I think we'll all be speaking the same language. What, ha what language is that? I don't know. But I know we'll all be speaking the same language. And we'll be praising the Lord together. Look at the amount of people that are there. In verse number 11. 
and I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne and the beasts and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I think we read that in Daniel chapter 7. It talked about the thousands of thousands. And we're talking about a sea of people that are there praising the Lord for His goodness and because they're saved and He redeemed them and He changed their life. And there's multitudes. Look in verse number 12. And they're saying with a loud voice. Now we're not singing. Now we're just simply proclaiming, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And verse number 13 will go on there. It says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and of and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And I read that, and I thought, I've read that before. I know where that is. It's Philippians chapter number 2 and verse number 9 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. Boy, you just think about how great that worship service is going to be. Well, we have just a little taste of heaven when we get together. We, we don't have near the numbers, but man, we, we sing the praises to God and we glorify His name. And, and, and man, when we get to heaven, what a, what, can, can you picture it? Can you fathom? Uh, hey, we'll be there. And if my description's inaccurate, you know what? It'll get straightened out as soon as that trumpet sounds. We'll know what it was. We'll know where I was wrong and where I was right because, man, we'll watch it take place before our eyes. We'll see uh, that that throne. We'll see God. We'll see the lion. We'll see the lamb that is Jesus Christ. The lion that is Jesus Christ, and we'll see him as he takes that book. And listen, all things everywhere will praise him, not just because he's the lion, not just because he's the lamb, but because he is the Lord of everything. Listen, they'll praise Chapter 5, verses 8 all the way down through tells you, hey, that we're going to sing praises. And then we read that in verse number 11, 12, and 13, that all, verse number 13, that all things are going to give praise to God. A lot of people, they don't want to praise God today. They, man, they'll take the name of Jesus in vain. They'll curse. They'll swear. Listen, that's the most precious name, the Bible says. That God says, I have given him a name and exalted him above everything else. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Man, I'm telling you what, they might curse it today. But in that day, they'll be praising him. They'll acknowledge that he is the Lord of everything. They may not like it, but they'll have to do it because the Bible says everything in heaven, everything in earth, and everything under the earth will be praising and will be honoring and will be glorifying the Lamb of God that was slain, that rose again from the dead and is victorious today and sets in heaven 
Man, what a scene that enfolds into chapter 5. And, uh, and chapter 4 and chapter 5 are they're probably some of the most splendid scenes that will unfold. Because after chapter 5, boy, starts the judgment of God. And things go downhill from there. It's not as enjoyable to look at, uh, but it's things that will take place from here on out. But we see the, the Lamb of God revealed in heaven. Man, what a great day to be able to go to heaven and be, we sing that song, face to face to see my Savior. And face to face to uh, stand before Him and to see Him. And to behold Him, what a great and blessed day that we can see our Savior face to face. I hope you're looking forward to that day. I hope you know Him as your Savior. And that when that trumpet sounds, you'll go with us. And that you'll see Him and that you'll stand before Him face to face and see the Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. It's a glorious scene in reality for those that are saved. For those who are, do not know the Lord as their Savior, it's, it's the beginning of a terrible time, to be honest with you. Father, I pray that you would speak to hearts as only you can. And God, what a wonderful revelation of Jesus Christ. That we would behold Him as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, that we would behold Him as the Lamb that was sacrificed for our sins, that we would behold Him as the Lord in power and glory of who You truly are. God, we can see You that way today. And God, I pray that You would help those who do not know You as their personal Savior. God, to call upon you to put their faith and trust in you and you alone for salvation. God, that they could be saved and when that trumpet sounds, God, they could be called up with us. They could behold this scene. God, I pray that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you'd encourage Christians, strengthen the believer, Father. And God, I pray that you'd convict those who do not know you of their lost condition. Help them to, to understand and realize, God, that they need to be saved. Father, we'll thank you for that. God, I ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we have a hymn of music played. Maybe you're here tonight and you'd say, man, I don't... I don't know for sure if I'm saved. Well, I sure hope I am. Listen, you should have a no-so salvation, not a hope-so salvation. The Bible says that these things are written unto you that ye may know that ye have eternal life. God gave us a plan so that you can know for sure that you'll spend eternity in heaven, that you'll be there with us if that trumpet were to sound. I'm not trying to twist your arm. I'm just trying to tell you the, the flat-out truth of the Word of God. That it comes down to a relationship between you and God. And if your faith is not squarely placed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then you're not saved. You need to ask Jesus Christ to be your own personal Savior. You can do that today. You say, Preacher, I'm not saved I'd sure like to know. Why don't you come down?
And we'll have somebody take uh, the Word of God and show you from the Word of God how you can know for sure where you'll spend eternity. It's the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. Nobody, nobody here, every, every person here would be glad for you. We're not looking to embarrass you, but we want to help you. As the music plays, Christian, if God's spoken to your heart, you're welcome to come to the altar and pray. And just thank the Lord for our salvation. Thank the Lord for this wonderful scene that he's praiseworthy, that he's the lion, that he's the lamb, and that he's the Lord of our salvation. Praise the Lord for that. As the piano plays, the altar's open. 